Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. <laughs> and each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is Emily Gagne. She's a writer, filmmaker, and host of the podcast and film series We Really Like Her. She also directed the short Best Friends Forever with previous guest of the show, Josh Korngut. She also curates Je- Dread Central's newsletter, The Harbinger. Yay, Emily! Thank you for that introduction. Welcome to the show. I feel very blessed to be here. Um, I'm very honored because this is such a fun show. And oh my god, what happened to my video? (laughs) (laughs) Guys, what? (laughs) What is happening? How do I fix it? (laughs) What do I do? In true, like, fan footage fashion, we are Oh my god, this is for you, Barry Beth. <gasps> okay, hold on, hold on. Let's see, let's see if I can fix this. 
Uh, this is a cursed production. <laughs> oh, this is cursed. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I have to go back. I promise I will. What have I done? <laughs> that was the scariest thing I've ever Why seen. Is <laughs> Guys, I might have to be off camera. What is happening? <laughs> oh my! I don't know if we're gonna put this keepers in, but listeners, her screen is all black. It looks like some weird ass like predator vision. Oh. Where the screen is all I black. Picture. I took pictures, and then like, there are like bursts of heat that are bright red. <laughs> I don't know what is happening. I don't know, guys, but it is not good. Do you guys... You don't use video, do you? Can we just keep me off video? No. I'm sorry. No, we don't use video. Okay. This is all on. Okay. Okay. But it's so funny. I'm sorry. Well, it's, it's telling me... I d- it's telling me that I can't change devices while recording. And so every time I disable cam, obviously this is it. And then I enable mm-hmm. it again and it does this. What if I? Oh, <laughs> oh. it's the key it vision. Like... <laughs> That's my hand. That's my hand. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I'm, that is amazing. I'm turning off my camera. Oh my god, I'm sorry, guys. I've already ruined your episode. Uh, uh, ruined. You mean it made it the best? <laughs> what a nightmare. Okay, well. Uh, I'm now stuck in the past, I guess, and you can't see me, so. <laughs> but thank you for the wonderful introduction, and I swear I'm actually here, and I'm not like a ghost in the machine. Uh, or are you? This is like some host shit. I don't know, man. Um, but speaking of the past that you <laughs> says that you're currently in, let's take it back to the past and let's talk about how did you get introduced to horror? Yeah, well, guess the first horror movie that I watched, and I know Josh mentioned this, it was, uh, I know what you did last summer. It was like, I was mm. allowed to watch it in a hotel room. You know, when you could get like pay-per-view. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. So my mom was like, you can pick a movie. And I picked, I know what you did last summer. I have no idea why exactly, except I do know that I had like a big thing for Jennifer Love Hewitt. And I don't know if it came after I watched this or before. But anyways, uh, so I watched I Know What I Did Last Summer and it's like screwed me right up. Like I was just like scared as hell. And I remember seeing like I had a nightlight for like I was kind of scared of the dark. And I'll be honest, I'm still a little bit scared of the dark. But uh, me too. Don't oh, worry. God. I'm a total baby. And yet being someone who loves horror movies still get terrified of the dark. OK, well, what's wrong with me? I don't know, but, like, I am that person that, like, if I'm going up a dark staircase, like, in a house, like, I am, like, looking behind me the entire time. Like, I am, I am freaked. Also, I went to this place called Screamers, which is, like, a haunted house place, like, a seasonal haunted house place, kind of, like, I guess, like, Horror Nights or whatever at Universal. Anyways, and they have a maze called The Darkness, and it was literally Mm. my nightmare, because you don't see anything. You have to feel the walls to feel your way through. And at one point, the walls get furry, just telling you that much. And <laughs> yep, yep, yep. You know, I, I turn on lights when I go up the stairs, but it's because like I'm clumsy and I'm afraid I'm going to fall. 
I'm afraid of that as well. So I think there's a lot of layers for me in the dark. It's like, I, I know it's scary. Uh, I know there's a possibility of injury. And uh, I don't know what's lurking in the darkness. Anyways, I remember I had a nightlight when I was a kid. And it would always reflect the weirdest shapes, including <laughs> I felt a hook. So I was like convinced oh. that the hook man was someone in my room <laughs> and that I was going to be murdered by him. But I really loved the feeling of being scared like that. Mm-hmm. And it like kind of just took over my life where I was like, he- like, how do I like chase this high, I guess. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Was, was that wasn't was that your first horror movie? Do you think, or do you remember? Yes, it was my first. It was my absolute wow. first. Um, and so I would have. Wow. How old were you? Then? <sighs> I uh, what year did it come out? Um, did it come out ninety eight? Is my guess off the top of my head. I'm gonna guess I was like eight or nine when I 97. watched this. Ninety seven. So I was probably like, mm-hmm. if this was in pay per view, then it would have been maybe like a year later. So I'm gonna say I was like eight or nine at the time. And uh, so it was just like a big deal to me. On reflection, I know he did last summer. Not the scariest movie I've ever seen. Not at all scary. Maybe even a bit. But it's fun, though. Like, well, what do you guys think of the like hook man, like urban legend? Because I feel like that is maybe what makes it extra scary for me. Because I do remember before I saw I know he did last summer, there was a show called Freaky Stories in Canada. Have you ever heard of this show before? Mm hmm. It was like, okay, guys, it was an amazing show. It was kind of like, it was like an anthology horror show, but it was animated. And in between oh. the segments, Ooh. there was there was this commentary between a roach and a maggot that were friends. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, they were like puppets, and, and they would like talk about stuff in this diner that they lived in. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Freaky stories? That Freaky what you stories. Freaky stories. It was like... We watched. That sounds like something you would see on on Adult Swim now. Yeah. Yes. Although they were like, they did make some racy jokes, I think, but like nothing too crazy because it technically was for kids. But uh, they did the Hookman story on that show. Yes, that's them. I'm staring at pictures of him now, and and the uh, the cockroach is quite quite blue. Yeah, that's a that's a isn't that yeah. weird? That's very bizarre. I always loved the maggot. His name was Maurice, and I just <laughs> oh. Oh, that was amazing Aww. but i <laughs> what a body i know i digress though the point is i they did the hook man on freaky stories mm. and i remember finding mm. that so scary the idea of like a guy that would like come to get you but maybe not kill you like the idea of the hook being on the door at the end of the night yeah. and you had escaped yeah that scared me i was just gonna ask if that was the same story for everyone if like because it's uh, from what i remember it's like Someone has escaped from an you know asylum and he has a hook for a hand and they hear and then like they leave the night and the hook's like stuck in the car door isn't at least that's the story I've heard yeah yeah is that yeah because that's the uh, I think it was in scary stories tell the dark or one of those three I mm. think I feel like there was it was in one of Probably. those something similar and that's how I knew about it and there was like an illustration of a creepy hand on one of the door handles and that always freaked me out because there was like. I was not a very raunchy teenager, but the couple of times I made out with a boy in his car, <laughs> I thought about it every single fucking time about the fucking hook man. And like, we didn't have like a specific one for where I lived, but I was like, this is how teenagers get murdered in horror movies. <laughs> they make out in an empty parking lot in their neighborhood. And it always crossed my mind. It obviously didn't happen, but every single time 
it was in my brain. Yeah, I don't know. It's like that close call thing that just like really mm. freaks me out. Where it's like, I almost wish I had just been murdered instead of like knowing that the hook man <laughs> is out there. You know what I mean? You're like, wait, I have no clo- I have no closure now. Yeah. Now I'm waiting for him for the rest of my life to come well, get me. Well, that's like how the final girls must feel, where they're like, fuck, like I just have to deal with this the rest <laughs> of my life. <laughs> Anyways, long story short, that's my. <laughs> first experience with horror and um i was really really scared of all these things but i i liked it so much that i can like continued the journey you know cool and so like as you kept watching horror movies what what kind of horror movies were you drawn to when you were younger like after that i think it was always slasher movies for me like that's like my number one i like ghosties and i like demons and i like all that stuff but like i think the first movie that like really really grabbed me and been and stays a favorite of mine is Halloween, like, 1978. I watched that maybe around the same time as I know it did last summer, because I think my dad was like, hey, mm. you liked that. Let's put this on. And I... Let's go back to the beginning. I couldn't make it through the opening, guys. I was so freaked oh, wow. out at the time. Yeah, because, okay, guys, a kid was killing people. <laughs> I was like, this is not Okay. <laughs> No, but, like, it's a scary opening, though. Like, that opening is pretty intense. Yeah, it's very intense, and it's very intimate, I would say, because you, like, see Mm. through his perspective, as you do in lots of slashers. But I just had never seen anything like that. And the reveal that it was him, like, in the clown costume, just, like, really, totally screwed me up. And I don't know, like, how long it took me to watch it again, but it it did take a few years. And now, I mean, it's it's my favorite movie of all time, so I, like... I'm glad that I pushed through the fear to watch it. Okay, but which one's your favorite sequel besides the first one? Okay, so it's it's hard for me. Last night I did rewatch H2O, which I do have a soft spot for, and I know that not everybody likes it, but I do. And I do too. You do, Terry. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun, and like I have not seen you it. Have not I, I need okay. To see it Mary no, Beth. I'm gonna watch it. It's very soon. I know. I'm I'm working my way through the Halloween movies. I'm almost Where done. Where are you? Where done. are you in the series? I, I watch I've I just I have five, six resurrection and H two O left. Okay. Wow. An interesting collection. <laughs> I have I have the, the yes, I know. Somehow I started with Rob Zombie and ended here. So what? here we wow. are. Wow, okay. Well, I think I watched them chronologically. I feel like it was like I just once I liked one, uh, I watched them all. I love the original two. I think that that's my favorite sequel, mm-hmm. if I'm going to pick. Okay. But H2O has a like special, special place in my heart, but I don't know that I consider it like the best sequel. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like like the best yeah. oh, for quality sure. one to me is, is Halloween 2 from 1981, because I feel like I just love something that like continues the same night. Like I'm like, yes. 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 It's my favorite. I love that. Yes. Yeah. And they really pull it off. And I feel like every, not to get too far into this discourse, but I feel like every Halloween sequel is like chasing the high of mm-hmm. of Halloween 2. Like, and even like Rob Zombie goes back to a hospital. The Halloween kills, they're at a hospital. Like, I was just mm-hmm. like, get a new idea, guys. They they nailed it the first <laughs> time. Get out of here. Yes. I was thinking that too after I saw two. I'm like, why? I saw the original two last and I was like, this is the best one. Why are we all trying to do this, guys? Like, it's not, it's not working. It didn't work 
for either person, for either Rob Zombie or Gordon Green. No, 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 it, it did not. It did not. So it sounds like you loved horror movies, but you also kind of were a scaredy cat for them. Is that is that true as a kid? I think at first I was. And then I okay. became the kid that like made other kids watch horror movies. And I was mm, like a bad mm-hmm. person. Um, like, Did you guys have that <laughs> me, at all? Me too. Yeah. I was me. Oh, I was, I was the that corrupting person. influence. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, yeah. I mm-hmm. remember on one of my birthdays, I like wanted to watch I Know You Did Last Summer again. And like one of my friends was like, crying like she was like i don't oh. want to watch it and i was like at the time i was like pissed off like i was like yes i was like okay fine like i'm not gonna torture you but like really like it's my birthday i said <laughs> it's that it's like that link beam it's my birthday and i get to choose the movie and it's just yeah. i know what you did last and summer. it was and that's the thing is i was like at that point i had been passed like i'd seen it a few times and i was think like, i was like a little bit over my fear so i was like man it's not that bad like it's fine <laughs> and then i remember also like going to my older cousin's house for her birthday and she put on scream and everybody turned it off or asked to turn it off after the opening they were like too scary i was like you guys are older than me and you can't handle this you all suck (laughs) yeah this is the worst that night also a dog peed on my sleeping bag so it was a real rough night for me wow that's a lot i know that is a lot i know that's probably why i remember it because it was just a combination one two punch of awful can't even watch a good movie and a dog pees on my sleeping bag. And a dog pees on my sleeping bag. Insult to injury. True terror. True terror right there. True terror. Do do you get scared as an adult now watching horror movies? You know, I don't really. Yeah. Um, I think I'm chasing... I I keep saying chasing the high, but it's so true. Like, I I think I'm I'm constantly... I want to be scared out of my mind. Like, Mm -hmm. every time I go into a movie, I'm like, please, just haunt me i don't want to sleep tonight give me like a sleepless night where i worry that there's a demon in my corner but i don't feel like i've had that in quite a few years and so i'm waiting Mm. i feel like maybe something will come out of the wings and get me but it hasn't yet what was the last movie like is there anyone that you remember from the past couple like even from the last decade that has gotten you like that okay so i can think of two and maybe they're not the past decade I, you would know, Mary Beth. Uh, Paranormal Activity. When did it come out? The two thousand seven. The first one. That mm-hmm. did mess me up, actually. That fuck. That also fucked me up. Mm-hmm. I like remember seeing that in theaters. I think Josh was with mm-hmm. me and another friend who doesn't like horror movies. Why did she come? Don't know. But <laughs> the thing about it is, I used to get like sick when I watched, um, like shaky cam any shaky cam found footage anything like cloverfield whatever i would get like Mm -hmm. ill to my stomach so the only scenes Mm -hmm. that i could like successfully watch in paranormal activity were like the the night scenes when the camera's on so like i'm like can't even get the relief of the like day scenes i'm just fucked up by the night (laughs) scenes and then i remember going home and like going back to my fear of the dark i remember having to call both of my friends like to walk myself up the stairs of my parents house like coming home that night because i was like i swear to god something's gonna pull me out of my bed or pull me down the stairs that really (laughs) fucked me up do you guys find that part scary when like she gets pulled out of bed that's my worst nightmare with ghosts like 
I, you know, everyone they laughs about like you're having your foot out of the blanket and like the monster under your bed is going to get it. I'm always terrified that my ass is getting pulled out of bed by some kind of demon or ghost. <laughs> like, and paranormal activity, I don't know if it was the beginning or just like really made it bad, but I still like when I have my toes out from under my blanket, I'm like, oh, nope. The ghost is going to get me. I know. There's no ghost, but it's more like my cat is going to get my toes if my blanket toes are outside of the blanket now. But I, it is a very real terrifying thing that I was worried about for a long time. Yeah, it's it kind of, I think, goes back to that other urban legend that really messes me up. Um, the people lick to mm. one. Oh, God. Ew. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I can't put my arm out of my bed because what if there's a person who's pretending to be a dog that's licking my hand? <laughs> Nightmare. Right? Right? You don't have a dog and you don't have that problem. I don't have a dog right now, but I want one so bad. <laughs> but what if someone's licking your hand and you don't have a dog and you're like, oh. Uh, see, then you, then you know. that. Like, see, but th- this goes back. It's, it's the same as the hook, True. man. I've never thought about it like this, but it's like the scary thing about people lick too is also that like it's a close call again like it's like it's <laughs> that title <laughs> i just i love that people lick too i'm sorry guys i've i went there no, it's incredible i went there uh no but you know like at that that one too it's like it's like you know that somebody or something licked you and then you wake up in the morning and your dog's dead hanging in the shower and then you realize that the dog didn't like you a man or a person i don't know licked you killed your dog like it's so messed up you think about this a lot emily i do i do i do i do so i say i'm i'm not scared anymore but honestly people like to it still scares me so they should if they made that into a full-length feature film i couldn't go i don't know (laughs) it's not you have to make it maybe i do so you can conquer your fear maybe i do i think that was in one of the urban legend movies i think it was in campfire tales did you ever see that Mm -mm. okay it was like an it was like another anthology like kids are telling stories around the campfire. Maybe it was Canadian because Josh and I what both know. What a fucked up it. story to tell for kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like having a kid and dealing with that is a whole other realm of of ickiness. Oh my god. Like and who's like sneaking into your bedroom to like kill your dog? Like what the hell? But they leave you, okay? <laughs> like what is going on with that person that have you ever read the short story pen pal or the like not short the novella pen pal i don't think so it's like that it's like people like back but horror like even scarier and it's like a collection of story it's like five short stories that this guy wrote about the from the perspective of him when he was younger and they're fiction but like he acts like they're actual stories Mm -hmm. that he experienced about someone stalking him while he was a kid and doing weird shit like Whoa. that. But anyway. I'm going to write that down. Digress. Pen pal. Okay. It's it's really good. Okay. Um, but Emily, so what draws you to horror now as an adult? Like, why do you keep coming back to horror? Because um, it's fun, I think. I, like, just love it. It's like, it's like a haunted house to me. It's like, you, you mm. just, you want to have the jump scares. I do get jump scares, actually. Like, as I never haunted, but, like, we'll be watching something. And Perry's like, really? That was just, like, a dumb music cue. And I'm like, you know what? It worked on me. I don't care. Uh, but jump scares still get me, too. Like, I'm a jumpy person. Like, even if it doesn't, like, I don't think about it afterward. Like, I will jump at every jump scare. Yeah. 
Even if it's just like closing a cabinet and you see your reflection in the mirror. Oh yeah, I'm very jumpy. I'm waiting for those things, and I and I like it. Like it feels good to me. I'm like, yes, finally, I I feel something. <laughs> and maybe it's because I'm mentally ill too, where I'm like, I'm like sometimes I just want to feel something. We're here for you. Emily. You know? Do you guys get what I mean? Do you know? I do. You just need like a. I do. You just need like a hit of something that feels real, but not too real, because it's not real life terror. Like you're like, I can turn this movie off and leave this behind, but. I think, yeah. like, I know Josh and I talk about it a lot, and I think he did when he was on the show, too. It's like, you know, I'm so anxious about so many other random, stupid, not-that-scary things, but, like, give me a horror movie, and it's, like, mm. an anxiety that I can, like, handle and and manage. Like, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and also, just horror movies are good. Like, I, like I, I feel like anybody who doesn't appreciate horror movies, like, is not paying attention or is a scaredy cat, yeah. you know? Yes. Make some more friends listen to that statement. You can take it and put it wherever you'd like, Terry. Just (laughs) make a bumper sticker or whatever. Uh, But truly, truly, it's like as an adult, if people don't want to watch horror movies with me, it's like, I'm like, what is what is wrong with you? You are not a 12 year old at a sleepover that is being forced to watch. I know you did that summer. You are an adult. Get over it. Preach. Preach. I have that same problem with some of my friends too. <laughs> but so Emily, so what are your so what are your, some of your favorite horror movies now? Like, are you still a slasher fan, or like how how like what are kind of the the movies you're drawn to now? Yeah, I love slashers. I like I I know that they're silly, and I know that a lot of times they're horrible towards women, but I love them so much. Um, and I feel like there's not enough slashers like like now they are like of course we're getting these remakes of you know halloween and we're getting like sequels to scream and stuff like that but i felt like there was a period where we didn't really have slashers so i would gravitate Mm -hmm. to something like a sorority row because i was like this is all that i have um Mm -hmm. but i also really like and i've noticed that i really like cannibal movies so that's kind of a subgenre that i'm pretty into like a raw or we are what we are or just anything with cannibals I, I, I really like as well. But I also really like, and to bring it back to sort of what we're going to talk about today, I love an erotic thriller. I love an erotic thriller. Always Me have. too. Right? It's it's the best. It's the best. Oh, yeah, I, I am very, I'm pretty new to erotic thrillers and... This is incredible. And we also, Terry and I, recently watched Wild Things. And I watched Wild Things for the first time. And boy, oh boy. Incredible. Oh, Erotic thrillers are incredible. Episode, listeners. Yeah, listen to that one. But um, I'm very excited because I, I appreciated them. But now I'm appreciating even more of how incredibly wild a lot of erotic thrillers are. And how good they are. Like, bad, but good at the same time. That's it. They're never, like, good quality. Like, there are rare exceptions. Like, I guess Fatal Attraction is an erotic thriller, and it is technically Mm -hmm. a good movie, but, like, it is going all the way up, you know? And it, like, Uh is not apologizing for it. And, like, what I like about erotic thrillers is they just, like, go there. Like, you're like, oh, no, they're not going to do that. And you're like, oh, no, no, they're absolutely (laughs) going to do that. They're going to take that twist. They're going to do that really inappropriate thing. And I cannot get enough also just want to shout out to Halle Berry who seems to like to do erotic thrillers and seems to like have a penchant for it and keep going girl because I love it hell yeah yeah yes exactly 
So you're the host of the podcast and film series. We really like her. Can you tell listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I co-host it with my uh, friend, Danita Steinberg, who Mary Beth also knows. Danita and I are like not old friends. Like we've just met in the past like decade or so, but we really feel like we are old friends. Like we just connect on a lot of things, including we love movies about women and Mm. uh, we love specifically like female filmmakers. We're really passionate about it. So that's what the podcast is about. The name comes from uh, when Sally Field like said, like, you really like me, you really, really like me at the Oscars. So um, we started off doing sort of like highlighting actresses and like just any woman working in film that we really like. But we've slowly moved into just like highlighting female filmmakers, which is what we do with our screening series, too. We show movies made by women. So we recently did a Jennifer's Body screening, which was really fun. Um, and next month we're doing Hustlers, uh, which is not horror, but Ooh. it is kind of genre. It's a crime movie. Oh, it's genre. Right? Yeah. I'm here for that. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it uses like uh, Fiona Apple's criminal in an incredible way. So what's not to love? What is not to love about that? Right? Like. Fiona Apple. Mm. I know. And Jennifer Jennifer Lopez was like the best body you've ever seen in your life. Not to objectify Jennifer Lopez, Girl. but sorry, she worked for it. It looks great. I don't know what to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, you also make movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you always wanted to be a filmmaker? I think I just always wanted to be in film. Like, I don't know how cool. you guys felt, but like... I think I was just like, how do I how do I attach myself to film? Do I write about film? Do I make films? What do I do? And I always wrote creative stories. Like my dad always talks about this story I wrote when I was like a kid called The Night of the Big Crash, which was a ghost story about a tow truck driver because my dad had a towing business. <laughs> so that's where I got that from. Love that. Um, and he still says, that's so cool. Right? I, it's, a, it's not a bad story. I'm not going to lie to you. It's pretty decent. And I wrote it in grade two. And I don't know where my head was at. But they probably were like, this child is, uh, there's something going on with this child. But yeah, I think like that, like I've always been creative. And then I I definitely liked writing, but I I wasn't so sure about filmmaking. And I didn't have a lot of avenues for like understanding or like making films. I couldn't take any classes at school or anything. So I think I just, I was resigned to being like a film critic. And I went to journalism school and stuff. And then uh, as I interviewed more and more filmmakers and like creators, I feel like I was kind of like this pre like these people can do it. Why can't I do it? So um, Josh like really was into making stuff. And so we made a few things together, like kind of like no budget kind of stuff. And then we decided to make uh, Best Friends Forever together. And I like I will say like I thank him a lot because he like pushed me to sort of like take that first step and I was like I don't know like I'm I'm kind of quiet and I'm shy like can I direct something and the answer is like absolutely you can um you know like quiet leadership is its own thing too so um Mm -hmm. I definitely want to make more stuff and I like have like a aside from horror I really like mother-daughter drama so I have like one in my back pocket that I like really want to make someday so I will get there but you know one step at a time so you got into writing because you weren't sure if you wanted to make films like that's kind of where the writing about movies came in yeah and I also think I was like comfortable writing like I I felt like it was something that Mm -hmm. I got to like 
I don't know, like work on in school. Like even if you weren't in English, you were like writing essays for other classes. And I, f- I felt comfortable and I like yeah. was on the school paper and stuff like that. Just total nerd stuff. And um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just felt comfortable with it. So like I, I, I worked as an entertainment journalist for like a long time. And I still I mean, I still kind of do. Um but I think I've I've just always in every single job that I've had I've been sort of, sort of related to film and TV even if it's not directly like creating my own stuff, um, and I kind of like all ends of it. Like I don't like obviously you guys have a podcast that analyzes and talks about movies, but like I that's some of my favorite things is to just like talk about movies, you know, whether they're the ones mm-hmm. that I made or someone I know made or just like a stranger made that I love, you know, it's just. There's nothing better. I agree. I, I agree. Oh yeah. <laughs> you guys are so cute. Um, I feel like I'm just like going off. <laughs> I love it though. Well, speaking of wanting to talk about movies, Emily, oh, what movie did you bring with you today for us to talk about? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I so wish my camera was working so that we could have full reactions to this. But uh, the movie I brought is called Fear and it's from 1996. And um, I'm really, really excited to talk about it today. <laughs> So, listeners, if you're not familiar with Fear, here's just a quick synopsis for you. When Nicole, played by a young Reese Witherspoon, meets David, a young Mark Wahlberg, handsome, charming, affectionate, he's everything. It seemed perfect, but soon she, she, she sees that David has a darker side, and his adoration turns to obsession, their dream into a nightmare, and her love into fear. Wow, that's a, such a melodramatic description. It's incredible. What a great IMDb description. We get some lousy ones, but that one is... That was a good one. I, I got to right there. my fingers to that. Yes. <laughs> Slam poetry. <laughs> you know what? There was definitely some slam poetry going on at that, like, coffee shop that they frequent in this movie, so... Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, so I, take us back. When did you see this? How did you see it? Give us your horror story about this wild movie called Fear. <clears throat> so... I definitely 1000% saw it at a sleepover. Um, I was probably in grade seven, I'm going to say. It was six or seven. Um, And I don't know who rented it. I have no idea why it was chosen. I don't know. But they put it on. And as happened to me at many sleepovers, I don't know why sleepovers are coming up a lot today, but we're digging into childhood. Anyways, I, uh, I was like so into the movie. The rest of my friends, you know, kind of like chatting doing other stuff inviting boys over you know like that kind of thing and i was just glued to the tv and i like couldn't sleep that night like i was up all night thinking about this movie i was up for several nights thinking about this movie and i just like couldn't get it out of my head some of the scenes were just playing on repeat and i was very confused about what i was feeling because i was like attracted to the movie but also afraid of the movie. So it was a lot for like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old Emily to deal with. I can imagine. <laughs> do, you, do you remember what about it made you stay up late at night thinking about the the film? What Do you remember? Was it specific scenes or is it just the way it made you feel? I think it was like, number one, like we'll get there, but like there's a roller coaster scene that's pretty iconic in this movie. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> I like I don't think that I knew what fingering was at the time so I feel like first of all I was confronting that like I was like I was like okay what is going what's happening down there (laughs) 
Number one. Number yeah. two. Because, but like, also, like, I'm sorry, real quick though. Like, you can never film a fingering scene and it looks like romantic or comfortable. I just no. have to say, like, nothing about the concept of fingering is like attractive to see in a movie. I'm sorry. I but it's not. I feel you. Although this is like pretty, like you know, sometimes you don't really see that much of fingering, and this you're like, oh yeah, that's going in and out. That is going in and out. That's true. I guess. It <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, there is no, there is no denying what's happening down there. No. That's true. He just, yeah, they don't go enough. to town. They don't cut away. You know, like they show. They're like, yeah. In case you didn't know, he's fingering her. Just FYI, like it's happening. But also, I really wanted to ask you guys, and I I don't know if I thought about this that much as a kid, but nowadays I'm like, oh my god, like that can't be comfortable. Like also, how long was he fingering her? Was he like was the thing rattling while she's getting fingered this seems unsafe and not comfortable like i don't know like nothing about the angle that his arm probably had to be okay this is i'm this is a lot but like just (laughs) nothing about that was comfortable and also like everyone can see you on a roller coaster but i guess they didn't care it's the whole thing about being a kid like you don't care yes but like none of that just had to be so awkward I feel like in a lot of movies when they have these like sexy scenes on like in weird locations like this, you think they're so romantic, and then like <laughs> in reality, it's not how any of that works. It's, it's like the, the Spider-Man kiss upside down, where it's like <laughs> really he is drowning with the rain going up his nose, but when you watch it, it's so hot. Yeah. Yeah, no, listen, the first time I saw this movie, I was like, this is hot. I'm confused because he's a bad man. And I think that that's what kept me up, too, is I was like, why am I attracted to this bad man? He's a bad Mm. man. He's a bad man. Like, what is going on? Okay, this is a a weird question, and I apologize. Like, did you kind of know what sex was at that age? Like, were you, like, aware? Have you had, like, the talk or sex ed? Like, was, yeah, like, what was your kind of relationship that. Listen, it's a great question and it's an uncomfortable one, but yes, I did know what sex was. <laughs> <laughs> I did know I was not that sheltered, but I don't think that I like knew about it as like a like really as a pleasurable thing. Like I knew about it more like yeah. in a scientific way. Like I remember learning about it in school just being like, "Oh, what mm. literally is sex?" I knew and I knew more in like the reproductive level, but like I don't I really don't yeah. think that they had mentioned fingering in school. Not the, fing- not, the, not the fingering on a roller coaster kind of level of sex. I, th- I think they skipped that <laughs> chapter of the book. I don't know. Uh, but so to me, this was like also like female pleasure, I think, was like such a like mm. a a like taboo concept to me like i had not at this i definitely at this point obviously if i didn't know what fingering was i had not masturbated at this point so i feel like i was just like i don't this is getting to a weird territory but here it is and uh i just feel like i i just was floored by this information and i was like i was like like i don't know am i ready to go into the dating pool was kind of i watched this i was like this seems like very intense to me but it is like, but it is such an intense re- like picture of relationships as a teen because I feel like I, I I had never seen this movie or really actually heard of it until you brought it up, Emily. I love that. But I feel like there are a lot of movies that have like a similar vibe to this where you're like, oh, every relationship you have in high school is going to be incredibly emotionally intense, and all of these very wild things are going to happen to you, and you just got to be ready for it. And you're like, but I. I don't want to do that. This seems very uncomfortable and not fun at all. 
So, yes. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, it's, like, all the stuff of, like, him, like, coming to school. Also, like, okay, also, I've seen this movie, like, a lot of times, but, like, how old is David is my question. Do you guys know? No. That's a I'm glad you asked the question because I was going to ask that, too, because I was, like... Wait a second. Like, when I put together that she was in school, like, in high school, and he wasn't, I was like, wait, hold on a second here. What's the age discrepancy? Because she's, like, supposed to be, what, 16, I think, at at one point, the father says. And Mm -hmm. there is no way that man is under 18. There's no way. I mean, they do kind of say, like, at, at one point that he's been, like, in and out of different, like, places, like, because he's, like, a troubled kid or whatever. Mm. But, like, I don't think they officially say. And he... No, I think he kind of lies at one point because he he's tells the father, you know, that uh, that he's going to go to... He's looking at going to some university in, in, the, in the fall, but, like, he is not at school. So, it, I... At the very least, if he's telling the truth, at the very least, he is, like right outside of high school but i don't think he is i got like look at that guy he hangs out with the like really gross guy oh i know like he's gotta be like pushing 30 i don't know like you know like mm. so i think that was also scary to me to be like are like older guys gonna come around i don't know i just was a very sheltered very like a very inexperienced kid and i think that this movie like rocked my world on many levels but it's also Mm. a scary movie like i i always i always think about the like finale of fear being kind of like a home invasion movie oh it is absolutely yes it that last and it surprises me that it's the last like 20 minutes like i literally looked at to see how much runtime was left when it started because in my mind that was a much larger part of the movie because i haven't seen this since probably i first saw it in in the 90s and i just remember the home invasion aspect of it for the most part and so i was like wow we're cresting the like 20 minutes left and now we're finally doing the home invasion part yeah what what did you think on this rewatch terry like like what was your feel on this movie oh boy um (laughs) that is a loaded question i i there is a lot going on in this movie that i that surprised the hell out of me that i i totally didn't remember so i I do have a story about Reese, Reese Witherspoon, and I, I wanted to bring it up because I did not. I remember the commercials for this movie, um, but because in particular they emphasize the home invasion aspect as well. And in the 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 most infamous part of the the movie that I remember being in the trailer is him. They edit it out so it doesn't say what he says in the movie, but he's like, "Let me in the house," you know, that kind of looking through mm-hmm. the people moment was in the trailer. And watching this now, I'm like, "Wow." They put this moment in the trailer that's like literally like 15 minutes from the end of the movie. But I, I, I didn't see this movie when it first came out. And I know that for a fact because I didn't know who Reese Witherspoon was. And so my junior year of high school, um, they filmed a lection in my town. And I was an extra on it. Uh, most of my scenes got cut, but there's one scene that is in the movie. And I remember... They're staging us for for a photograph, and they were very specific about how the extras had to stand there, be quiet, don't move, don't do anything. And so we're standing there in this line waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting for them to do something. And all of a sudden, this this little – she looks so young and so small uh, – woman, girl, and because I thought you know she was my age, like walking up, and she stands in the front, and she starts like peacocking in front of the, in front of the camera. It's like – and just being really – obnoxious and i was like who the fuck is this extra that is being so obnoxious 
is Reese Witherspoon is what I was thinking. But like, and I didn't find out until afterwards that that is Reese Witherspoon. And that was my first introduction to, to Reese Witherspoon. And so seeing that and that being my, my knowledge of Reese and then watching this movie was, um, an experience. Yeah. That's an incredible story, Terry. Like, way to bury the lead. I was an extra in election. <laughs> Hello. Um, also, like, I mean, election, I feel wow. like is like, I feel like fear was like Reese on her way to being mm-hmm. really like doing crazier roles. Like, I'm trying to remember there's another movie that she was a freeway. I feel like freeway is oh, around. Freeway. This. Oh, my God. Freeway. That's around the yes. same time as this. Yes. It, like, what year was it? Mm, I'm going to check right now. Because I feel like she looks so young in this movie, too. Oh, she does. She was. T- I, I had to look look her age up when she was filming this because she seems they so incredibly 19, young. They were both 1996. Oh, my God. That's wow. a banner year for the Witherspoon. Wow. Uh, I love that movie, too. But that's also, like, that's way more <laughs> fucked up than Fear is. But Fear is fucked up on its own level because... We'll we'll get there, but I think Reese looks really cute here. And I kept, I wrote down I was like I feel like the Gen Z kids would just like love everything she wears in this movie, like especially oh right yes like mm-hmm. I, yeah I was thinking about that a lot and how like the way that she dresses now is the way that a lot of like TikTok people dress like she wears like the little skirts she has like the 90s crop tops but she also wears like the cute platform heel like Mary Jane's with socks so it's you still have like that little innocent kind of vibe to it like the little girl frilly white socks at the beginning I remember her wearing but yeah like her clothes are very much like very 90s very much what people like to wear to or like what people look for today yeah which is fascinating which is fascinating to see like what is now back in style? I mean, I don't know if they wear the skirts quite as short. Like I, like I, I. One of the scenes that really got me at this movie is like when they're at the that rave. Number one, that rave. Okay, <laughs> I feel like this movies like this have completely inflated what high school life is like. I was like, I, I, maybe I'm just like completely out of it. But raves of this nature. <laughs> So, like, that's because so, that's so funny because, again, I'd never seen this movie, but there were a lot of other high school movies from this time where I was like, is that what high school really is like? Like, am mm-hmm. I going to like go to all these parties? Mm-hmm. Am I going to, like, do all this crazy shit? I did none of that. I was the biggest nerd. I'm like, and as far as I knew, that none of that was happening either because I, like, grew up in the suburbs. Everyone was just, like, getting high in their parents' basement. But <laughs> I was like, oh, all of a sudden when you get into high school at the age of 15, all of a sudden the entire world opens up and there's, like, drugs everywhere and parties. <laughs> Parties galore. Naked men, half naked men dancing in raves. Like, this was not my high school experience. No, mine either. And I, like, I just. Unfortunately. Also, like, David (laughs) looks really out of place at the rave. Like, at least she's, Mm. like, trying to look cute. But I was like, David, what are you, what are you wearing? Like, this, like, button up, like, plaid shirt. (laughs) Okay, he, he looks like the 30 Rock gif of how do you do, fellow kids? Like, he's just. (laughs) so out of touch with the rest of them that's and it, it really emphasizes how much how old he looks uh, like oh yeah he's i mean he, when i say old it's relative like compared to how young reese looks because she was 20 when she filmed this but she does not look 20 she looks like she could be a 16 year old she looks really young and i think they emphasize it because she is supposed to be like daddy's little girl okay, okay so we have to talk about this 
because this makes me i fucking hate this shit so much like the daddy's little girl thing makes me want to rip out my eyeballs and in this movie really like captures it for me because daddy's little girl in my head is this such this like purity cult it embodies like the purity culture obsession that i feel like western movies have where it's like the young girl must keep her virginity intact because it's her dad is her first love and creepy weird shit like that. Like, but that kind of behavior was like, my dad used to say that stuff to me, which is really creepy. Like, I will acknowledge this, but my dad used to be like, oh no, like I'm your first love, like your first husband. It was very weird. I know that sounds very bizarre, but like I had like father daughter dances that I went mm-hmm. to for Girl Scouts and stuff. And like, it makes me so incredibly uncomfortable and this obsession with virginity with young girls, basically, which is like what this movie is to me is to is a pissing contest between two men over a young girl's virginity, which is so disgusting. So disgusting. Oh, yeah. Well, like, we have to talk about William Peterson in this movie and like how Obviously. creepy he is while also being like incredibly hot. Like we can't, I'm just going to say off the cuff, like he is very hot in this movie, but also like a, a genuine creep and not just because he like looks at Alyssa Milano when she's bending down his like, his like daughter's oh. friend. What is that? The men, oh, let me caveat this. The straight men in this movie are grotesque. And horrible. His my my. I guess my problem. What you you asked like what it's like watching this movie is at, at now. The fact that she is going from almost like they, they kind of stage her father as being kind of abusive in a way. I mean, he's like controlling how you know she looks. Like there's that controlling aspect that she deals with with David. There's the the idea of like being um, the pure, but also like that that over sex where he's staring at, at her, at her friend. And then there's the point where he hits the wall in anger over something so small and insignificant and his, his anger just jumping from like zero to a hundred in, in an instant. It's there's, there's definite uh, connections between her father and the way he treats her. And then the way David is, and it kind of verges on abuse in both ways. And in, in, in a kind of, in a kind of way, I would say personally, I I agree with you. Like, I think that's another reason why this movie, like, fucked me up so much was because, like, I think I, like, thought about it in my own terms. And, like, to be honest with you, like, I I was, like, a pretty, like, sheltered kid. Like, my, my parents were very protective of me. Not in, like, a crazy way, but, like, I remember I got in trouble um, one time when I was, like, on the phone with a boy, like, too late. Like, I got grounded, you know? And, like, mm. that's, like, it's such a small thing, but I think it, like contributed to me being like oh god like boys are not okay or like sex is not like talking to somebody in a way that's like not just a friendly way is like not okay and so I think like that's that stuff as an adult especially like scares me maybe even more than the David stuff because I'm just like this guy is gonna continue to do this like he Mm. is alive at the end of the movie and he's gonna continue to control her and perhaps even more now because of what happened with David well, there's that moment where he's like all, you know, caring for her and then he finds the the broken condom and his mood just like shifts and he that asshole just leaps out of him. And I get it. Father finding a condom. You don't want to think about your kids having sex. I get it. But the way that he goes from from being like, you know, very caring and kind to like that instant what is, you know, he doesn't even show it to her, but that kind of like you're having sex type of thing is is uh not appropriate well yeah and it's like it's also like he she used a condom so like 
like if anything like you can't stop her from doing whatever she's gonna do but you should be happy that at least she was using protection like i, I like i feel like the stepmom in this is kind of like more cool although i don't love when she was like you have a black eye that's fine like that's not weird we're not gonna investigate like- that or like you look like a slut when she walks mm. in with wearing makeup and she just like That's immediately true. calls her a slut. Yes. Like, yes. Who are you? Like- yes. <laughs> it was like, it's just weird. It's weird. Like everything was like mixed messages where you're like, how is Nicole supposed to know what is right and wrong to do here? Because I feel like you are not really like telling her you're just judging her and like, I don't know. I just feel I feel bad for Nicole, although she makes some bad decisions, too, uh, with regards to her friend, Alyssa Milano. Yeah. Yeah. And so this movie gave me like princess locked in a tower vibes. Like, and I thought about this towards the end, because especially at the end, when this clicked, there's a point at the end where she's looking out from the house at like the down this big road to like the security guard where the gate is. And her perspective, like, so far away made me think of, oh, wow, like, she is locked away. Like, her dad has basically Mm -hmm. locked her away from the world. Mm -hmm. Like, and yeah, it's security measures for the house. But because of how protective he is over her and how, like, it becomes a way of, like, her to not be, get access to David or David to get access to her, it does feel like Princess locked away from everybody has to be, like, kept in her bedroom, away from the world. This is the only way she can be shielded from the bad parts of the world. And when she gives out the code to the house slash to the tower, oh, no, like, everything is ruined. She's letting her hair down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I just got that vibe a lot just from the way, like, he treats um he treats his daughter the way she's like locked away in that house and the way like the security measures in the home seem so focused on keeping her safe more than anything else and like to an extent her purity because there's even that point which was really weird where his um he, I think it's one of his coworkers or a lawyer or something is like well did you think she was gonna stay a virgin forever yuck and like that was a weird conversation that they ha- I don't know like it just. The discussions of virginity in this are so bizarre with her, especially because the movie opens with her naked in the shower, Mm -hmm. which I think is so fascinating with, like, this movie is basically, I feel like, exemplifies a lot of things wrong with how we think about young girls and how we look at young girls' bodies is this movie. But it's also fascinating to to watch that now yeah it's 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 just scary like obviously this is not a movie that i'd be like showing to any kids that i know uh because of a how it fucked me up um but also i just think it is it is very problematic and like there's also that scene with Alyssa milano where she like essentially Mm. is gonna get like i think like raped by david um and that's so messed up and like i think on reflection like at the end of the day it is kind of like oh like it's not her fault but for for a second in the movie nicole is kind of like hey it's you slept with my boyfriend and she like was watching and i was like why do you think that she's into this are you insane like yeah like nothing about that screamed consent like no it was a pretty horrific scene of when he grabs the back of her head and like picks her up and she's obviously like not sober at all smacks her ass and holds on to it like this is his like it's and it really bothered me um, watching this now of like, and you know, I think, and it might not be fair because, you know, she 
this is a house that's full of men. She doesn't, she obviously probably wouldn't feel safe going in there, but I'm like, this is a bystander moment where you're letting your friend get literally dragged off by this brute to be raped. That's what's going to happen. And then later on, she's victim blaming her. Like only a few scenes later, she's victim blaming her for sleeping with her, her boyfriend. And, that really bothered there me. Seems on to this be a lot watch. Of, there seems to be a lot of that in erotic thrillers. Yeah, there <laughs> is. Like wi- women blaming other women for sexual assault. Terrible. Yeah. But yeah, that also really bothered me. And I, I feel like Alyssa Milano's character for the rest of the movie is like suffering from some pretty mm-hmm. nasty PTSD mm-hmm. of being like, you're my only friend. Like, I, she obviously like does a lot of drugs and is a party girl because and it seems and she talks about how her mom like dates older guys with lots of money so like she obviously has family trauma at home and is like struggling but she is kind of just tossed to the side a little bit and then she's like for a lot of the movie after like their friend breakup she's crying and screaming and it's just like getting treated like shit like i just i wanted justice for Alyssa milano's character basically in watching this movie because she is thrown around like a rag doll for like most of the movie yeah yeah she like justice for margot she is she's really cute and she seems like a fun time like aside from the sexy stuff like she just seems like she it's like they they were having a good time they were good friends and the the part when she does say like you said you're my only friend like she's like like distraught and she's like yells that and i was like nicole what is what is wrong with you like i mean i know that david is is very hot but like you already know he's not a good guy he's already done bad stuff in your presence yes he's he he abuses and beats up uh gary poor gary okay Poor Gary. Oh, my God. Poor Gary. I want to talk about Gary. Speaking of, you know, justice for Margot, I want to say justice for Gary, both as a character, but but, Mm -hmm. but also the way he is written. Because uh, on the positive side with this movie, in terms of, like, queerness, I loved, I had to rewind because I was like, wait, did I just see that? At the rave scene, there are two men kissing, and it's completely nonchalant, not talked about, not addressed. There's no, like, look of ooh from from the girl seeing it. It is just a moment that is happening. Yay, 1996. But on the other side, we got to talk about Gary because Gary's gay. Yeah. The movie just never says it. The script apparently did because I looked this up and apparently it was more explicitly um, stated in the script that he is a gay man, that he is her gay best friend, which is another trope, which but so (laughs) Gary is a good guy. He's the only guy in this movie who is good. Because everyone else is pretty much an asshole, even her father. He intercedes when David is coming after Nicole at the at the uh, the lunch thing. Mm-hmm. He stands up to him, knowing that a this man could pound him into a pulp, and there's nothing he could do about it. But he still intercedes while she is calling for help, and no one else is helping her. He's the only one that comes to her aid, and he is killed. Barrier gay trope, and. Like, in that, a very graphic, sudden yeah. way, too. Oh, yeah. Like, Just when he... Like, I, like, I gasped. It was awful. Yeah. Yeah, he gets... Like, his his neck gets broken, essentially. Like, he, like, basically, like, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he snaps his neck. Yeah, it's, it's rough, and it's, like, a chase scene, too. Like, it's, like, mm-hmm. into the into the forest. Yeah. It's It's rough. Um... But also, like, there's some other weird stuff, too. Like, like you know, uh, David drops the F word uh, when yep, he has sure that... Uh, interaction with with the dad which like 
Oh, that's oh right. My God. I had to rewind that too. It's like, wait, did he just call him that word? Oh yeah, he did. And like that, that is when you like really know David's like absolutely horrible. I mean, he's already been horrible. And then, and then the scene goes to that moment where he like hits his chest, which is its own situation. But like, it's, it's weird. And it's also like, there's this weird like sexual stuff between the dad and David and I like the popping both your cherries and all this mm. stuff where it's like it, it's intense toxic masculinity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and something mm-hmm. that I actually like, I don't know if you saw this, Terry, when you were researching, but I like heard that in an earlier version of the script, there was like a subplot about David's mom and that I guess David's mm-hmm. mom got raped when she was a teenager and like had him and then like I guess abandoned him and then he was like in the foster system or whatever but like I guess what David finds out is that like the guy that raped his mom is like Nicole's dad and that they're like half siblings (laughs) oh and that (laughs) like this is all like a revenge plot against the dad like how crazy is that wait I kind of I don't love is a strong word, but I'm fascinated by <laughs> that, that. A been... rape revenge story. That would be fascinating. That would have been it's wild. Up. And but wild. and incest too. Like it's like it's like it's like what did wow. what else did this movie need? <laughs> incest. That, that I guess that horrendous. Yeah. Wow. Now I'm thinking about there's a movie that I watched recently called The Estate, and you literally just described the plot of that movie. Damn. Okay. <laughs> the Estate, Terry. Spoilers. Yeah, The Estate. Okay. I am interested, but I'm glad this movie didn't. I don't know. Like, could this movie handle going there? I don't know. But like, there's definitely some weird, like, somewhat homoerotic atten- like tension between the dad. And David, but also that like homophobic comment, like it, it's it's very strange. It's very strange. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I was thinking of as as you were talking, Mary Beth, is that you kind of talked about the the pissing match between uh, David and and her father. Well, and I was thinking about this in terms of the ending because the ending is not. Um, it doesn't really do it for me because it's it kind of takes the agency away from Nicole. And gives it to the father, where it's literally the father throwing David out the window. Like he gets the he gets to be the final boy moment of of the of the movie. He's the one that that's that thwarts the evil. He's the one that that restores the the lovingness to the to the family. It's not her ability of like kicking him to the curb or you know standing up and, and slaughtering him or whatever. It's it's given to the men. It's given to the men folk. Yeah. Yeah. Because she has to be protected. Yeah. And even like the stepmom has that like moment where she like lets David in the house. And it's kind of Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, women can't deal with this. They're just going to let him in the house or whatever. You know, it's it's just this movie has like I felt so bad liking this movie as a kid. And I kind of feel bad to this day because it is so problematic. But it's also so weirdly enjoyable. Like, I I, I don't know. Well, because it's such a it's so. It's such a roller coaster of ridiculousness. Indeed. I mean, like between like we already talked about, like before he even gets crazy, like getting fingered on the roller coaster. You're like, what is happening here? Like something very, like you like immediately, like there's something very strange, and then it just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder, and it the red flags just keep building, and you're like, this couldn't get any fucking more bizarre, and it it just continues to get more bizarre. I mean, and I think it does a good job though of like kind of starting 
starting as a movie about a guy who could be an actual like abuser because I dated someone not exactly like this, but kind of similar. And that like he seemed really sweet, but he was really mean. He was not like secretly like a creep, like, well, he was a creep, but he wasn't like secretly like living in a weird drug house or anything. But like he very much had that like charisma and that like little baby face. And mm. everyone was like, oh, he's so nice and cute, but then actually was very angry. And so like I feel like to a point, the movie gets that right in an interesting way about how like you also don't always listen to the red flags mm-hmm. as a girl. And how, especially because, you know, when you have a father, like her father, they're kind of similar in terms of like anger and stuff. So you just think that's a normal part of being in a relationship. Like it's, it's parts of it. I'm like, I can kind of see it. And then it goes off the absolute rails and is, is, is bananas. But I think it, it captures some things that like how young girls, especially when they're so sheltered, like do really get excited when they find a, like a boy to pay attention to them and then boys take advantage of that in a really fucked up way yeah because we as young girls aren't necessarily taught to like have as much value as we should have about ourselves outside of how like what value men put on our bodies if that makes sense it so, absolutely does yeah. i was thinking about the red flags in this in particular because it I I do think if there is a positive about the movie, it's the way that the it highlights some of these these moments that um, are very insidious in in the way that they unfold because they don't they they're kind of two faced. They could be this innocent you know guy is being super nice, but then you can also see the other side of it. So like the the thing where he's being cute quote unquote and he's like saying that you know she's so perfect and he just needs to know that one flaw so that we knows that she isn't too good to be true when in fact it's him that is too good to be true. Right. And there's that moment. There's, there's the moment where, uh, you know, he's like, I, you know, kids, when you're in a first love, you're like touchy feely, but he, the way he grabs her ass to help lift her up into the car or the way he puts his hand on the small of her back to like lead her. I immediately thought of, uh, the scene in spoiler where werewolves within where one of the characters is talking about the way that men will just have this hand on the lower of your back to like lead you somewhere. And mm-hmm. so there's, there's all of that aspect to it. And side note on that, can we normalize women not having to apologize for saying no to wanting to have to not wanting to have sex? Because yeah. she immediately says no and then apologize for it. I'm like, no, you should not have to fucking apologize for it. And that really made me angry. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, he, there were the red flags were there the whole time. Like the fact even that like he like sets her watch back and it's like, you have all the time oh, yeah. in the world. I was like, okay. Yeah. Controlling. <laughs> like, what is that? And then they do it again. Although I was like to the dad, I was like, why your computer has the time on it? Like, why didn't you know what time it was? <laughs> it's your fault that you didn't deliver that whatever proposal on time. Um, but yeah, like David, it, it, like he also does put it on though and i think like the first scene when he meets the family like he really is doing that Mm. job of like being like talking to the kid like 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 touching the dog and like making sure the dog's okay like talking about gardening like he like hits all the points and like there's talking up the little boy the the kid like oh you're you're so much bigger than your sister made me let me believe like just like leaning into the little kids you know manhood at that point like he hits all of those little yeah boxes yeah and it's it's really like i could see somebody being like oh that's a good that's a good guy he's so nice and like i feel like i've had that where i've like dated somebody or like had somebody around that you know people are like oh they're so great and it's like uh, are they really great or do they like put it on for the right audience you know like i would rather have somebody like 
you know, Perry and I, that's my boyfriend, like we're both extremely awkward, socially awkward people. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes people are like, oh, like, you know, you're more quiet or he's more quiet or whatever. And I was like, I'd rather him be quiet and like a little more shy than be like gregarious and be like a total creep, you know, like. I do think that that movie does something interesting in that scene, though, because that's that's the moment where the father gets clued in that he is not all that he seems because the the camera focuses on on um, what's his, is it Steve? Is that the father's yeah, name? Yeah. It focuses on Steve's face and then focuses on David when he touches the small of her back or when he, you know, says, Nicole, get me a Coke. It's the way the the the, the movie does a good job of showing that. Steve knows these moves. And why does he know these moves? Because I think he's probably used those moves because he is kind of a, an asshole himself. And I think that he probably did similar things, not to the murderous extent, of course, that David did. But I think he sees himself and him in this in David and it worries him. Well, that's why it's like men are like, oh, well, like think of your daughters or your sisters or whatever when they talk about sexual assault which is so mm. gross but Ugh. like I, like i th i think of that too and this this movie is just it's just a true nightmare like i just want to save nicole and i want her to go somewhere else and be safe <laughs> and just live her life and wear her short skirts and freedom you know like if that's what she wants to be wearing like go off but like uh, the the men are not positive and her one like good friend who cared about her is gone like it, it's it's so it's so scary anyways i like also something i have not mentioned this whole time and part of the reason that i picked this movie was that this movie inspired like a raging crush on mark Wahlberg, which is very problematic oh. and yeah. i'm sorry that it's the <laughs> truth about me um we're like I, i'm right there with you right like he is so hot in this, and I just keep thinking back to seeing his his I think Calvin Klein ads oh of him God. in those in those tidy whities, and like it bothers me because I'm like you are a racist piece of shit. Oh my God! Well, that's that's even just one side of it. Like I feel like he's like definitely like gives me like mega vibes, and like just everything about him is horrible. Um, but at that time, like I saw this movie, and it like it was a sexual awakening for me. Where like I guys, I got obsessed with Mark Wahlberg at that time and this was when i was like this is not when this came out this is not when boogie nights was out this is like when he's oh, doing boogie like nights. really like shitty movies this is like the in-between mark Wahlberg time and i like went back and listened to marky mark and the funky bunch i like really <laughs> wow you really got into him and if you know, because I'm a dork. Wow. There's a there's a Marky Mark song on the soundtrack to Fear. There is. Uh, and okay, the soundtrack though. <laughs> oh yeah. Love '90s movies. So much Bush. Whoa, so much Bush. <laughs> so much Bush. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, oh yeah, here we we got like uh, Machine Head. We got Come Down, and I was like singing along with, with the soundtrack, and like this is the soundtrack of my young adult life well it's like i was saying to perry when we were re-watching this last night i was like wild horses is like it's in my dna like that cover the sun <laughs> the sunday's cover of, of wild horses specifically because not only is it in this but it's also in a pivotal scene in buffy like it's like the prom and it's the mm. last dance like like angel and buffy have broken up and he comes to the prom and he dances to wild horses with her so like for me like wild horses it's like oh my god that's like if i had spotify when i was like 12 years old it would have been like on the top of my like makeout playlist you know what i mean <laughs> like hell yeah that's incredible yeah yeah. Well, because 
Wild Horses plays throughout like multiple times in this, right? Like there's the fingering on the roller Anytime coaster. Anytime there's like sex between the two Any of them. sex. Fascinating choice. It, incredible. Incredible. Because there's a couple times where they're like in his car at makeout point or whatever the hell they are <laughs> playing that song. And I was like, this is legit like what I thought high school was going to be. And like we didn't have a makeout point or anything ask. like that where I grew up. Yeah, but we had like – so. I grew up near the water and we had like a public beach park area where you would sneak into at night to go make out like with your significant other on the beach or like you would park your car right next to it and make out or like wherever. So we didn't have a make out point, but we were just hooligans who parked in random like empty parking lots and just hoped cops didn't show up. (laughs) What about you, Emily? Because I always think about how... How much of like a, a trope this is in in uh, in teen movies of like the 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 overlooking a bay or overlooking the town and it's every <laughs> all these cars are just lined up to make out and I'm like, is this real? Did was this something that happened at your high school? No, no, I like lived. I I born and raised in Toronto, so like I was like a city kid. So like there wasn't like th- like like there is a waterfront at Toronto, but like that's not very private or like anything. And I I I wouldn't have gone all the <laughs> way down there. It's too far to go. So so not really. But like I feel like people like similar to you, Mary Beth. It was like it was like people would go in a random parking lot or just like a lot of like making out and basements and just like wherever you oh, could yes. find the space um you know and but like i was like pretty i was pretty not sexual in high school so like i don't listen there could be other stories that i don't know about but like i feel like i would have at least heard about it you know um mm-hmm. but there wasn't there was no water but i love the idea i love a like lover's lane i guess that's kind of going back oh. to the hook man again yeah the lover's lane sort of situation Mm. like it's it's a vibe and you can you can kind of see why like nicole kind of gets swept up a little bit in the the moment of of david also like he has this car that it like explodes he says that he's danger right away he's like you know i have this car that they they don't make anymore because it explodes i'm so bad (laughs) (laughs) well and that was another warning sign where he's like it's not her fault they didn't put her together right Yuck. Talk about the car. Yuck. That's oh, that's right. Yeah. Yuck. Yuck. Gross. Yuck. So so gross. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything like else that really like killed me when I was a kid that I wanted to go over with you guys, but I I feel like I've touched on most of the the main. Thi- oh my god, no, I haven't. Nicole forever. That is something that we have to talk. <gasps> Nicole about. forever. That scene is like very complicated once again because it's like really hot like it's like close up on the abs close up on the washboard right like just he's in peak physical form right here like it's like it's it's a lot but he's also carving nicole forever not forever forever ever ever in his chest i guess he's like carving it and then using like ink like he's doing his own yeah, he smears ink he's, in it yeah he's tattooing mm. himself it is 
Sorry. It is a lot. It is a lot. Especially combined with, like, can we talk about his bedroom as well? Like, did you guys notice? Please, can we please talk about his fucking bedroom? I could not stop thinking about his weird jail cell bedroom. Yes, his cot. His, like, jail cell cot. But, but it's like, it's like, okay, so you see the room the first time where, like, the guy bursts in, like, one of the random guys he lives with, because there's a bunch of guys that live in this gross house together, like, as young men do. He walks in and he's got his hand in his pants, oh, like yeah. not masturbating, which is like that thing that guys just have their hands in their jeans and he's just laying in his weird c- concrete room covered in pic- weird pictures of Nicole that he's like blown up into multiple <laughs> parts. But then the dad bursts into the house and there's a fucking shrine where he has like the saints, the saint, the head of the saint, but he put Nicole's head mm-hmm. onto it. There are like the Chucky dolls yep. in there. There's the box the with her underwear. Oh yeah, the family picture where he's taken off he, that, the father's head. That's all. But the implications there are fucking wild. That we never get into that. But the fact that he's the dad in that scenario, and he takes daddy's little girl bracelet mm-hmm. and scratches out the daddy and writes Daniels, <clears throat> David, David, shit, yeah. David. Yeah. Sorry. Um. And it's all in that box with her panties. Mm. It's just like, it's a lot to take in. (laughs) There's just so many things happening at once in this movie where you're like, we don't have enough time to unpack any of this. And then he throws a dog head into the house. Oh my god. I almost warned you about that, Mary Beth, and I should have. Should I have? Yes. No, I'm I'm okay. Okay. I'm actually, I hate it, but I'm, I'm okay with it, unfortunately. But... That ca- that happened, but then I also kind of loved when the guy like poked his head in the door and was like, "We're coming for you." I kind of loved that. I did yeah, laugh. Like, that's pretty fucked up. But like, I'd be like, "All right, that's fucking horrifying." After they just throw the dog, I was mad. I'm like, "Can we just stop killing dogs in erotic thrillers?" I feel like erotic thrillers also like have dog animal death. Yeah, like fatal attraction, fatal attraction, yeah. the bunny. It's like it's a it's a thing. All animals, all bets are off with animals in erotic thrillers, and I don't like that either. Listen, I'm I'm a huge dog fan. I'm an animal lover, and that also like scared me too. I just feel like the 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 climax of this movie like is scary because you're like. These guys are not, like, they're not Jason. They're not Michael Myers. They're just guys that are just, like, coming into your house. And, like, the one part where the, like, horrible, gross guy that dates Margot is, like, standing on the, like, window and is, like, like grabs his crotch and humping the air. But, like... And the scary, the other scariest thing about that to me is that those guys like don't know what's going on. They no. are like stoner, like they're stoned out of their mind, and they're like, "Oh, someone fucked with us. We're just gonna go fuck with their house." Like they don't, they're just angry idiots who are like just fucking with these people with no idea like what they're doing. And as soon as that guy gets his hands his hand drilled, he's like, "I gotta get the fuck out of here and go to the hospital." <laughs> that like, made me laugh. I gotta go to the hospital. <laughs> I know that was so funny, but I was like, these guys have no are just like being idiots while he david's just like oh i want to kill and i think like that is so menacing if these guys were just up and ready to just commit violence with no real reason other than like someone fucked with our house like that's also terrifying too it's not even their house there's a part that i clocked this time where it's like mm-hmm. some guys like oh so-and-so's dad's coming back we're gonna have to get out of here oh that's right oh that's but right that's what i'm saying like they don't have a reason to really be that like mad about it but i get the sense that these guys like do this shit all the time like there's a scene earlier on when they're like uh, like i think like david or 
um, Nicole calls David on the cell phone, mm-hmm. which like, whoa. Um, and like he's in the car with the guys and he's like, I got to go do something, but I'll come over later. Yeah. And you're like, what are you going to do? Like, I don't want to know. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I was wondering, I was like, what drugs? Sex crimes? All of the above? Everything. Probably all of the above. That that house is like true haunted house like that like like i could not go in there aside from his room the whole vibe is very scary like true you want to sing fucking crazy i had friends who turned their like college apartment that was owned by the college into a place that kind of looked like that and i cannot believe i spent any time in an apartment like that none of them were they no they were all weird but they weren't as bad but like they like had bows and arrows that would shoot into the wall um, and they covered. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what? Please elaborate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and just so you guys, just like for other context, that the Nikki in this house had this Danger House. Like, like oh, you go hang. Do you guys want to go hang out at Danger House? Um. Yeah, so, like, wow. a, a couple of the guys that lived there were, like, wilderness guys who like to make, make their own beer and hunt and shit. So they were, like, had a bow and arrow. None of this makes any sense. Um, and they just, like, were shooting at... They drew a target on the wall and shot holes in it and covered it with pieces of paper so when they inspected, they wouldn't see the holes oh under the paper. <laughs> kind of smart, though. Mary Beth, how old were you uh, when this? How old were these guys? Oh, like nineteen, twenty. Oh, um, they were they they tried to brew their own beer in their bathroom and they did it wrong, so it exploded. Oh my god! Oh my um, god! One of our friends did opiates and had like a mattress where he would detox after Oof. he had done a lot of drugs in the living room. Uh, yeah, this is a danger yeah. house. Mm-hmm. So this house, I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. Yeah, I got really drunk there quite a few times. Uh, They had, they found an injured pigeon once they called Danger Hawk. It was just a (laughs) pigeon, but they nursed a pigeon back to health called Danger Hawk. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of love that, though. (laughs) I hung out with these people in college. This was my college experience. I can't even believe it. I I stayed far away from these kind of houses. After I watched Fear, I was like, I'm never going into a house that's not my own ever again. Probably for the best. (laughs) Bow and arrows, exploding beer, a a pigeon. It's risky out there, man. It was a little, it was like, it was like nerdy, nerdy hell there. It was very, it was fascinating. Um, Well, that's better than whatever is going on at the yeah. The danger house this, in this movie, like it's oh. the fact that Nicole just fucking drove up to that house like with confidence. I was like, I would never if I knew that's where he lived. There would be I would never go into that house by my fucking self with all of those men. Like absolutely fucking not. Well, do you think he ever brought her into that room, or like, do you think that like he was that's a great question. considered bringing her into that room, or was that like his safe like sh- creepy shrine space? I have to feel that she had not seen that space because I yeah I gotta think that she's smart enough to go whoa this is danger this is danger house right here I have to think that if she saw that the shrine to her the the crossed out face of her father I I, I, I gotta I gotta think that she 
probably, hopefully, didn't see that because my opinion of, of her would drop significantly after that because that's not even red flags anymore. That's like a you in danger girl. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, going back to, like, how old he was, like, like maybe he wasn't as old as we think that he was because, like, why didn't, like, the dad just, like, call the police and just be like, this guy's a pedophile and he's, like, sleeping with my daughter? <laughs> like, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I... Even if he was I 18, if it was though. One of those things where... mm. Like, she's 16. 18. That's what, Like, even if yeah. he was 18. It would still be illegal? But, but... Yeah. Yeah, well, depend- yeah, but, like, remember the guy's like, well, she was going to lose her virginity sometime, so it made it sound like the like, the cops would just be weird. I don't know. I have mm. no idea. Well, that's true. Like, it was weird the way they talked about it, where they were just like, well, your, da- your daughter is going to lose her virginity sometime. But, like, after the couple of times he stalked her, I'd be like, no, no, like, you should have a restraining order against this man who, like, pinned you in a bathroom and, like, was an absolute, like, st- is stalking you, essentially. Like, that scene in the bathroom, like, was like one of the most fucked up scenes I think for me as a kid. Like I was like, oh my god, she's just at the mall with her like stepmom, mom, and like brother, and she like gets accosted in this bathroom, and like it's so it's so scary. Like I don't know why I liked this movie so much as a kid, and I don't know why I like it now because it's just very gross. And I'm sorry that I subjected you both to it. Don't apologize. Uh, no, don't apologize. Though I think it's like, but I also think it's another really interesting film that illustrates like attitudes against young female bodies and like this weird, to- like the toxic masculine relationship between David and the dad, and like this weird kind of competition over virginity that I think. We don't see as much anymore, thank God, in media. But I also think it's like kind of a fascinating time capsule to like what female bodies were like on screen not that long ago. Yeah. Like it's 1996. Like it really wasn't in the grand scheme of things that long ago. I guess almost 30 years. And I'm just pretending that I'm not almost 30 years old. Um, but <laughs> um, but like it's fascinating and gross it's gross but i'm glad i saw it also um i just wanted to just give a quick shout out to mark Wahlberg's ac- boston accent before he stopped masking it so much mm-hmm. like a little high-pitched a little, like very very cute oh yeah and also very gross listen he like he i think as much as i hate him now and i resent what he did to me for a, a small period of time where i was i i haven't even told you guys how how into it him i was i i can't go there it's too dark it's too dark but <laughs> but listen i like i, I liked the movie rockstar is what i'm gonna say to you guys so oh oh yeah oh yeah i watched all of his movies i i was rough it was rough um did I, now i have to admit that when uh boogie nights came out the amount of times i watched that final scene well yeah Mm-hmm. was a lot yep. listen it's not his dick but you know it's like we don't need to know that he's <laughs> he's pulled it off he's so hot in that movie too like 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 he's like, like no one he's really hot he is really hot in that no movie. one can say he's not hot and like i think he was perfectly cast in fear because he can like he can pull off the hot charming guy thing but then he also we know as a fact that he's like a, also a scary man so he, like, he was in jail yeah he's been in jail yeah he's been in jail he's done hate crimes he's like a bad man he's 
very much done hate crimes. He's done a lot of hate crimes. And uh, anyways, I feel rough that I was into him. But I do feel like this movie introduced me to Reese Witherspoon, unlike Terry, who was on the set of Election NBD. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, this movie introduced me to Reese Witherspoon, and I do love her. And like, she eventually would become like a, a bigger part of my life. I saw Legally Blonde, like it like literally as nerdy as it is like changed my life so like you know it's like she is an important part of my journey too and i like that she was into weird movies because we think of her as kind of like america's sweetheart now and it's kind of interesting Mm -hmm. to reflect back on that period of her uh career like leading up to election you know well do we want to wrap up and give this our rating out of five oh yeah yeah How many? Wow, horse! I can't even do the tune anymore. I just like forgotten. How many wild horses out of five do you give fear? Oh, I th- I feel like I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a loaded question because I I'll be honest. I do not like this movie. Um, I think it's fun. I'm glad we had this discussion. I think it's fun to walk to watch. I think it's even more fun to talk about. But in terms of the movie itself, um. I got to give it like somewhere between two and two and a half wild horses. I know it just, I, it bothered me so much as an adult and I, I don't know. Some of it I think is obviously intentional. I just, I think for me, like I, I really wanted more of the end and less of the beginning. Like I love that Mm -hmm. the finale, I love the, the home invasion that just sort of pops off out of nowhere I just, um, I don't know. The movie is just, it's, it's not for me as an adult. And it bo- really bothered me on this watch about how much I related to the father in terms of him saying that, like, he has 40 years of data to sift through Vice or 16. Because I was like, Yuck. oh, that's me because I'm 40. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, <laughs> when did that, when did I relate to the father saying that more than anything else? Because... Yeah. No, I I don't know. I this movie's fine. I had a great time talking about it. I think it, it's a movie that that begs a lot of conversation, but for me, I'm going to give it two and a half wild horses. What about you, Mary Beth? I'm going to give it two wild horses. Again, I'm really glad I watched it and I I think I'm getting it gives me more erotic thrillers to have seen and kind mm-hmm. of understand like the breadth of the genre. I think there are some horrifically problematic aspects about, as we've talked about, with, like, female bodies and toxic masculinity, but it is for sure an incredible piece of late 90s cinema that I feel like kind of captures that very weird, sexy vibe from that time, from what I can remember of films I've seen. So I didn't love it, but I loved that I got to talk about it with you, Emily and, and Terry. So that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but Emily, you have the final word. Oh, man. How, do you, how many wild horses do you well, fear? I think this is a no judgment zone. This is no a no judgment. judgment I'm not zone. giving it two that much, I'll say. Uh, I think I'm going <laughs> to give it. Okay, well, like also the measurement of wild horses. This is a very wild horses movie, so it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> It deserves at least Fair. I'm giving it four wild horses just because it is such an integral part All of right. my part of my being. Do I think mm-hmm. it's like a good movie? Would I recommend it to everybody? I mean, no. But like, did I like have a lot of fun watching it last night? I did. Um, and I think it like just awakened parts of me that I like didn't know existed, good and bad. And I I think that it has a special place for that. Also, I will say there's some elements that I like about this. The score I think is kind of legit. Oh, 
It is. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Carter mm-hmm. Burwell, like it's it's good. I'd say it, it holds up. Oh, that's right. It is Carter Burwell. Yeah. Weird. And also, I feel like I have like come to appreciate William Peterson like and I didn't know that it would happen for me but the true William Peterson movie I love is Manhunter which I found in mm. my adult life and I do feel like this character is a little bit like Will Graham from Manhunter in that he's like like can't see past the goal you know he's like obsessed with something and he won't stop until he gets it done so um I'm going to give it four wild horses because I think um I just enjoy it, and I feel weird about it, and it it did like I, it did scar me for life. That's why I brought it here. So, <laughs> also James Foley, the director, would go on to direct Fifty Shades Darker and Fifty Shades Free. He sure would. He sure would. Uh, equally problematic films about controlling women. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I'm sorry to bring you such a such a downer of a movie, but I appreciate you guys watching it with me and. I appreciate this this platform to talk about fear, you know, and to face my fear <laughs> of fear. Hell yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> Thank you so much, Emily, for joining us to talk about fear. Uh, where can the listeners find you and what do you have coming up that you'd like to share? Oh, my gosh. Um, well... I uh, I do do the newsletter for Dread Central, which uh, Mary Beth said earlier is called The Harbinger. You can uh, subscribe to that and get it weekly. Um, and then also I have an account called Final Girl Fashion on Instagram where I like post photos of iconic uh, horror characters that are women wearing great outfits. So you could just follow that oh, yeah. right now. Um, and I did write a column about it and I think it will be coming back soon. So you know, follow that feed and then maybe you can find out more about that. Otherwise, I'm on Twitter at Emily Gagne. That's G-A-G-N-E. Um, and I think that that's... Oh, I should plug my podcast. I'm so bad at doing the plug yourself <laughs> thing. Um, I also have a podcast, We Really Like Her, um, at We Really Like Her. And you can, like, subscribe anywhere, anywhere you get your pods. Hell yeah. Cool. But listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. What was your experience with fear? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. Please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you, Eric Power, for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. 
That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 